Welcome to Invited Dress, a series of radio plays developed by artists in intermission. This week, we bring you You Don't Deserve to Die by Anya Kopischke. This episode was directed by Adam Coy. Be sure to stick around after the reading when our creative director, Aaron Roberts, sits down with Anya and Adam to talk more about this project. And with that, Invited Dress presents You Don't Deserve to Die. A single rotting potato with sprouts coming out like little tentacles sits alone on stage. Enter dead deer, a puppet. She stares at the potato. It's alien to her. Enter Playboy Bunny, a bunny. Maybe it's a little sexy. When they see each other, they freeze. They are both each other's enemy, prey, and killer. They both want that potato. As their eyes lock, the potato rolls away. They look down at the spot it used to be. They run. Capsule, Monday meeting. A vegan co-op on a small college campus. We are all sitting at a large kitchen table in Capsule House. Lily is writing in a notebook, eating a banana. There's a bunch of bananas next to her. Devante enters. He hasn't showered or slept in days. He nods to her. Devante. What? Is that the same bag of chips I saw you grab a week ago? Yeah. Have you eaten anything else since then? Lily? How are you alive? Lily, I don't judge you and your bundle of bananas. Vegans need potassium. It's how I get through the day. And math majors need chips. Tomato, potato. There are too many perishables in this house for this shit, Tay. Why don't you make your own chips? Potatoes are sprouting. I'm not the one who ordered 10 pounds of potatoes in the CSA. Fair enough. Anyway, Cam and I made potato leek soup last night. There's still some in the fridge. Okay. You can have some. Okay. I'll miss you when you die of malnutrition. Oh, thanks, Lily. I'll miss you too. Teresa enters. Hey guys, sorry I'm early. (laughs) What? I was gonna say sorry I'm late, but I'm actually early. It's 7.09. Jeez, what do we even do this early? Freddie isn't even here yet. Freddie's always late. He is? Weird. Freddie floats in. Hi, lovelies. Where's Cam? I think Chris is dropping them off. That's their... Mm-hmm. Is Hassan coming? Can't make it tonight. He's in the studio. God, again? Senior projects are coming up. But seriously, like, when's the last time you made a meeting? <laughs> the first one. It's a good thing he's cute. Lily, can you put food ethics on the list? It can be last. Yep. Let's just start a check-in while we wait for Cam. I gotta get back to the studio. I can fill in for her song when I get there. Tell him to come home so I can look at his face. I'll tell him those exact words. Devante, wanna start? Um, uh, yeah, uh, I've been eating these chips for the last week and some of that sulci salsa, which is really good considering it's super bougie and expensive, but yeah, I've mostly been working on my thesis and only come down to grab more chips and salsa and this is the last bag, so I will be good. Once my thesis is done, or once we buy more chips. You still have 15 seconds. Oh, um, 
Uh, <laughs> and you're good. Lily? Well, I'm still finding potatoes in the corners of my room. <laughs> yes, it was very funny, you guys. But they're starting to sprout weird alien extremities, and it's not cute. Like, seriously, who's doing this? It was me. I pranked your room. This is not true. I did it when I was high. <laughs> seriously? Uh, yeah, it was Teresa. Mm-hmm, yes. Wow. Honestly, I'm shocked. You did all that when you were high? Yeah. Okay, well, in other news, class with Woodruff is so eye-opening. Everything he says just dismantles every thought I've ever believed to be true, and it's so incredible. I feel like I've never been a person living in the world until now. He's so wise, and I'm unlearning so much. Cam comes through the front door. Sorry I'm late, guys. It's okay. We're just checking in, and it's your turn. Oh, well... Chris just dropped me off, and I had a really nice time this weekend. Her cabin, it's an actual cabin. Like, she built it herself. It overlooks the mountains, and this is so corny, but they're just amazing to wake up to. Honestly, I feel like I can breathe. And she has her own vegetable garden in the back, and we spent a lot of time out there in the dirt. Oh, I love playing in the dirt. <laughs> I forgot how cool it is to have dirt under your fingernails. And we talked about her wife. Bianca White? Wait, the astrophysicist? Um, yeah. She wrote my textbook. Yeah, she's very accomplished. Not gonna lie, open marriages are really weird. But I feel really comfortable around Chris and happy. Like, losing track of time kind of happy. I never expected something like this to go well, but it is. <laughs> oh, Teresa, are you crying? No. She is. What? Teresa, don't cry. Why are you crying? I'm just... Don't listen to me. Finish your check-in. Well, I'm done. Are you okay? She doesn't believe in love anymore. Oh. Don't worry. I'm working on it. No, no. I just don't believe in love for me. But I'm, like, really, really happy for you guys. Okay. Teresa, your turn. How are you? Um, well, yeah. I'm fine. You might have heard I don't believe in love anymore. Teresa, dude, you can get it. What are you talking about? I know I can fuck. I, I fucking love fucking, but, um, you know when you think you know someone and then one day you just can't picture their face anymore and you realize you actually don't know them at all and they don't know you and you were just so convinced that this was, like, it. But obviously it's not, so what's the point of even trying? But it's like... An empowering thing, you know? Also, I'm so, so sorry about the hole in the wall. Malachi will pay for it. Thank you. Oh, Teresa. I'm fine. Please, Freddy, you go. Well, I haven't slept in a few days. Hassan and I are in the same boat, spending a lot of nights at the studio, as you might have noticed. I've been walking back the past few nights, which is a beautiful walk, but I think it's destroying my knees. What? Freddy, that's ten miles on the highway. Freddy, you can't do that at night. My god. The shuttle doesn't run at five in the morning, and I enjoy the walk. Your knees don't. I just need to find an acupuncturist in the area. Okay, moving on from Freddy's psychotic endurance experiment, who wants to spin the chore wheel? Oh, 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 me. Okay, Lily on floors, Freddy on groceries, Cam on dishes, Teresa on restock, and Hassan on bathroom. Uh, oh, fuck. 
and me on making something for Kepsel House. Ugh, I want to remake the chore wheel with math. Amazing. Okay, first on the list, cheese fridge nuvering. Oh, that's mine. Teresa, don't take this the wrong way, but do you have to keep your Nuva ring in the cheese fridge? I have to keep it refrigerated. It's either the cheese fridge or the big fridge. Nope, that's fine. I just wanted to make sure it was necessary. They're not, like, used. They're still in their wrappings. Of course, Teresa. It's, it's all good. Next, uh, we should talk about who's doing what for the Earth Day party. Oh, I can make the Facebook event. <gasps> can we model it after the Floralia Festival? What's that? It's a Roman celebration of the goddess of flowers, vegetation, and fertility. It happens, like, close to Earth Day. It was really mm, pleasure-seeking, and all the games were run by the people. Like, prostitutes would dance in Roman armor, and they would sacrifice goats as a sign of fertility. Goat sacrifices were a sign of fertility? Or something like that. They weren't sacrificed. They were released into the wild because they were a sign of fertility. They were seen as salacious. <laughs> <laughs> Get your Roman symbolism straight, Cam. Wouldn't you like it if I got straight, Devante? Okay, sounds good, guys. Devante, would you mind taking care of the bands? Oh, um, I can set up the equipment that night, but this is a really bad week for me in general. Okay, I'm running the poetry reading and making the moonshine. Woo! <laughs> nice. nice. Is anyone available to decorate? Freddy? Uh, maybe. This week is bad for me, too. Okay. What about Hassan? Seniors might need a pass. Our boards are in a couple of weeks. Okay. So, anyone else available to decorate with me? I can decorate with you. Thank you, Cam. It'll be fun. We can make a maypole. Okay, so we have Teresa making the Facebook event, Devante setting up sound, I'll be organizing the bands once we get the bands, making the moonshine, organizing the poetry reading, and Cam and I will be decorating. Thank you, Lily. Yeah, thank you, Lily and Cam. Lily opens up another banana. Then last thing is food ethics. Ready? Great. So, I've been wanting to bring this up for a while now. In past years, we would talk at length about our personal food ethics so we could use the privilege of living here to our best advantage. We have a ridiculous amount of funds for food, which is why we order from the CSA and buy organic and have an account at the health food store. But I don't think we're doing as much as we could. So I thought, since we haven't yet this year, maybe we could go around and say what sorts of food ethics we feel strongly about, what we'd like to buy more of or less of, etc. I suppose I'll start. I think we buy an excessive amount of bananas. What's wrong with bananas? Well, first of all, they're imported. You can say that about all the fruits we buy, other than apples. It's really more about the brands. Chiquita and Dole essentially use slave labor. And the other brands? The health food store has something every once in a while, but only at really random times. I don't remember what it's called. Maybe we just buy that brand? I just don't think bananas are the worst thing that we buy here. Why don't you talk about something that you wish we didn't buy? I don't want to because I don't want to control what other people depend on eating. I'm not suggesting we stop buying bananas entirely. I just think we could buy fewer. I feel a little attacked. Lily, you're not the only one who eats bananas. We all do. I'm, I'm just bringing this up as a real example. I could stop eating bananas. I don't like them that much anyway. Thank you, Teresa. 
but I eat the most because I need to, because I'm the only vegan who actually lives here in this vegan co-op, which is the entire reason I wanted me and Playboy Bunny to live here. Why don't we take a week to research what's important to us? Lily, you could talk about why being vegan is important to you, and the rest of us will find something. And it'll be good to have the information. That sounds good to me. Yeah, sure. Lily? Yeah, sounds good. Great. So, maybe we continue this conversation next week. Okay. Was there anything else on the list? No, that's the last thing. Okay, great. I should head to the studio anyway. Wait! I got rehearsal. I'll drive you. It's okay. I can walk. No! Okay. Okay. You okay, hon? Yeah, I'm fine. I should go feed Playboy Bunny soon. Okay. I'll be in my room if you want to talk. Devante offers Lily his bag of chips. I can't take your only food source. Okay, Lily. Gotta go die. I'll miss you. Lily opens up another banana. Ephraim, big beautiful son of a bitch. The basement of a taxidermy shop in Ephraim, Wisconsin. This is where the magic happens. Taxidermy tools and scraps are everywhere. Two old friends, Kyle and DJ, are playing Buck Hunter. How'd you get so good at this, DJ? Practice. Where'd you even get this thing? Husbies was just gonna throw her out. Thought you could use some entertainment down here. (laughs) It's just so random. Not random, thrifty. New high, yes! He wins. Okay, new game. Oh damn, that's, that's impressive, DJ. It's good to have you back, man. Oh, yeah, here I am. Fuck yeah, man. We're gonna have a fucking ball down here. Every fucking day down here in your basement, playing the buck hunter like we had husbies. Be just like high school. Don't you got a job? In the winter? Nah, man. It's April. Yeah, but dude, look outside. It might as well be the dead of winter out there. So no one's working at all? No one's working, no one's shopping, no one's nothing. The apocalypse is here. You gotta listen to what they're saying. Who's saying? The conspira guys. You're still listening to that dumbass podcast. Whatever, man. Hey, how's the old man holding up? Ah, uh, well, it uh, looks like I'm gonna be here for a bit. That's rough, man. On the upside, we can fucking chill all day, every day, just like this. All fucking day. Great. Kill me now. Well, it's not a bad time, man. I know. I, I didn't mean nothing or anything. This just isn't exactly my fucking dream. Well, you don't gotta be a dick about it. TJ, I'm basically here waiting for him to die. This isn't vacation for me. Sorry, dude. I was just kind of psyched to have you back. I know, man. I'm sorry. No, it's cool. It's cool. It all sucks and stuff. Why are you still here, man? Dunno. TJ, come on. What happened to Oshkosh? Dropped out. What? Shit's not for me, man. What? College? Pay these idiots everything you have just to live in a shitty room and have more idiots tell you to read books you already read. Sure, but this can't be it for you, man. You don't have to waste your life in- You're dead! Wait, what? DJ gestures to Buck Hunter. Kyle's character is dead. Anders, a local, enters the basement, blowing in snow with him. Fucking A. DJ. 
Kyle, fuck yeah, man. Good to see you. Founders, what the fuck is up? Hold on, Bjorn's coming in. Enter Bjorn, another local. He has a black guy and a large dead deer. Kyle, my man. What are you two doing here? Brought you this big, beautiful bastard. What happened to your eye? So check this, we're on the trails. I'm on my skidoo. You're snowmobiling in April? Uh, there's snow, dumbass. So listen, we're on the trails in the snow and I see this big, beautiful son of a bitch looking dead at us. Not a dude. What? It's a doe. Yeah? So... Anyway, he stood there stock still just begging for it. So I pull out my fin light. Wait. You brought your rifle with you on the trails? It's not even hunting season, you know. It was self-defense, okay? He had a mean look in his eye. You weren't there! Anywho, you never know when opportunity might hit. And look, opportunity just hit us like a big fucking buck. Dope. Man, stop interrupting the story. So, I shoot him, whatever, and we're loading him up on Anders here, Articat, and his neck turns, like sharp. And I freak because he's dead, dead, right? I pointed my gun right between his big dewy eyes and I shot. I saw the life slip away from them until they became just a foggy, dull carcass of a soul, you know? I saw him die. Rigor mortis? Who? No, it's what happens to the body when you die. Stop interrupting the story, man. So I stumble back a couple of steps and there's ice, right? And it throws me face forward onto the back of the skidoo. What you deserve for owning that dump truck. I'm sorry, did you just say what I thought you said? Yeah, you heard. You shut your fancy whore mouth. <gasps> My what? Bjorn tackles DJ. Bjorn is obviously the stronger. Guys, guys. Bjorn continues demolishing DJ. Anders, what do you guys want? That ain't the whole story, man. Yeah. Whole ride back, all we hear is this. Anders and Bjorn turn toward the deer. The deer begins to sing. Anywho, we want him stuffed and mounted. Easy can do. Can you make it rogue? Like? Like with fuzzy bunny ears and big anime titties? <laughs> that is not what rogue means. Fuck if you know. Sorry? I'd like to speak to the taxidermist of the house. Where's the old man anyway? Uh, don't you fucking dare. Hold on. No. Anders, no! Kyle chases after Anders. Bjorn follows. DJ and the dead deer are alone. They acknowledge each other. The deer continues to sing. Kyle comes down, dragging Anders with him. Bjorn follows suit. Get the hell out! 
And take your freak deer with you. Wait! Kyle opens the door. The storm blows in, more terrifying than before. Dark snow shoots inside like bullets. Sounds of metal crashing and civilians screaming can barely be heard beneath the vicious howling of the wind. The deer shivers violently. Kyle slams the door shut and it all goes away. Motherfuck! Hi everyone, my name is Aaron Roberts. I'm the creative director of Invited Dress. And we're gonna do a talkback of sorts with our two creators here in the Zoom studio, as it were, Anya the playwright and Adam the director. So I just wanna know, what was the inspiration for writing this? Like, where did this play come from for you, Anya? When I started working on this, I was actually working in tech theater. I was running sound for another eco play at the time, and it was becoming increasingly frustrating to be a part of something that had such an idealistic message and yet wasn't living by that message when it came to production. And so that was on the mind a lot. And I had also, I had lived in a vegan co-op when I was in college. I come from a small town in Wisconsin, and Mm. I remembered the culture shock that I experienced going between the two. And I just wanted to write something that explored more so the human reaction to our possibility of our own extinction, as opposed to trying to find a message to tell people or to scare people into. I wanted to explore the denial and the guilt and their reaction to that ultimate question of who deserves to die. I can definitely see the lived experience that you have in both of these two worlds because they're drawn so clearly and brought to life so well. Adam, do you want to talk a little bit about sort of bringing that world to life in this podcast? It's uh, a little different, right? Because we're bringing it to the ears, right? And so we're going to be playing with sound, sound effects. And that's exciting. You know, you're thinking, you're just trying to eliminate your eyes, I guess, which is so the opposite of theater. Because, you know, in the theater, you're thinking about creating this visual experience. And so now you're kind of eliminating all of that. It just changes the way you think a little bit. Um, little things of like, oh, will we know that if we just hear this? Or are we going to need a little stage direction here, or a little narration? Are we going to get this with a sound effect? It was very different and very exciting. Yeah, and the way that those stage directions start the play with that little ballet between the potato and the deer, but also then change when we change worlds and the stage directions have a little Wisconsin inflection in that. Yeah, I guess I've heard a couple of audio plays in this environment. I don't know, some of them have like really dense stage directions or it's kind of like a weird, like too much of an audio book. Yeah, I thought Brandon who did stage directions having some fun and some personality keeps us more engaged. For sure. And, I, and talking about these two worlds, I've read the script, I kind of know where things are going, but do you want to tell us where this world is headed? Yeah, I think that the biggest connection these two worlds have at this current rendition of the script is just the fact that they are both experiencing an end of the world in ways that are unique to each of the environments. And so as we continue along in the script, mostly we see more tensions rise in Capsule House and What ends up happening is the party's a disaster. Lily receives this letter from her mentors that's very disappointed in her and it almost breaks her. But before they can come to an understanding, the house is destroyed in ways that I don't want to divulge right now. But they reach a sort of end of the world for their moment and their lives. And same thing happens in Ephraim. The boys are 
all locked in the storm together and they're staying in Kyle's basement while Kyle continues his taxidermy and DJ is becoming closer and closer with this dead deer and growing farther and farther apart from Kyle. Ultimately, Anders becomes so angry that he tries to break out and the storm ends up destroying the basement and you get this sense that they can't leave. And so that's kind of a more isolated, trapped version of an end of the world for them. And they only really come together at the end when we get to hear the recording of a Conspirator Guys podcast. Wow, I mean, like, just hearing that makes me think about all the apocalypses that we're currently experiencing and the number of worlds that are ending around us right now, and it's very of the moment. Yeah. <laughs> and you mentioned that the characters in Wisconsin are men, but mm-hmm. the voices that we have heard in this episode um, may not sound like what we think of as male voices. Yeah. What was it like casting for this podcast, and specifically in regards to gender, what was, what was your ideas there? Yeah, well, I think me and Anya touched on this when we first discussed the play together a long time ago, because I directed a reading workshop of it earlier, I guess in 2019. So we had talked about the play, and I found it really interesting because there are these three acts where we kind of have this one setting that's a super liberal, diverse community of people that we probably know, and then we have this really rural community, and also, for the most part, you would see all those people, realism-wise, as straight white men, and in Anya's plane, as just like producing logistics wise, you have one company of people that are gonna tell this story. So it kind of made sense that if we take this realism, quote unquote, um, ensemble of players from this vegan co-op and throw them in uh, different clothing, different situations, but kind of, you know, not to characterize it, but to tell that story as an ensemble made a lot of sense. And it also made it feel like we could claim those spaces um, and tell those stories in a way that felt, I don't know, appropriate in the moment. And to add on to that, I really love hearing the diversity of voices read those characters because I'm not interested in writing a play that's just like, oh, aren't white straight men terrible? Not to give them a pass or anything, but I'm just not interested in saying that because I think that these behaviors of these very masculine rural types are inside all of us. And sometimes those characteristics can be very freeing and sometimes they can be unforgivably destructive. But I'm not interested in just pinning that on one group of people. I'm interested in exploring how we all do that, how we all have that inside of us. Is there anything that this this podcast version of the play has taught you about the script so far and, and informed where you're going to take it in the future? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, I can't wait to hear it in its entirety. I am feeling a lot more confident in the structure. I feel like hearing that and especially hearing this group of actors go back and forth between these characters and these settings, that was really pulling me in more so than it was in the act by act structure. And so I'm really excited to play with it in a visual way. This has like reignited my excitement for it. Yeah, and I would say it, I guess, informed a lot of things of how the story flows. But it also, I mean, just personally made me feel like a more normal human doing theater things again. So I I, want to thank you all for that. And uh, it made me really miss being in a room with people (laughs) making theater because obviously through Zoom and there are some limitations to how we can communicate, but it's still worthwhile to jump into a story and, and try to tell it. And thank you all for creating this space. This is really like keeping me alive in all that isolation. 
getting together with people, even just through Zoom and trying to work on something creative and have a purpose is so gratifying. We are so happy to have you and we're so happy that uh, you invited us into your world for a moment. I hadn't realized how many things in common I now have with the people who are trapped in a basement in Wisconsin. When I first got back here, I was literally quarantining in my basement. I couldn't go outside just with that isolation. I think I was really exploring isolation in that second act and now it's here and it was weird to relate to it so well, much. Well, it was already so timely because the planet's decaying and that's what the f- whole first kind of story's about and then so it just it just really went to another level that was <laughs> too eerie. I didn't mean to start corona. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Invited Dress. This project is a culmination of volunteer efforts by actors, producers, and technicians. If you'd like to support our team, please consider donating on Venmo at Invited Dress. For more information on the episode and for ways you can get involved as an artist or a listener, check out Invited Dress on Facebook and Instagram. You Don't Deserve to Die was written by Anya Kopischke and directed by Adam Coy. This episode was edited by Rachel Creedberg. Our creative director is Aaron Roberts, and our communications director is Emma Dumont. Our executive producer is Ben Fleischer. Special thanks to our graphic designer, Lauren Kleiman. The roles of Devante and Kyle are voiced by Curtis Jackson. Lily and Anders are voiced by Miller Pike. Freddie and Bjorn are voiced by Pascal Portney. Teresa and the Deer are voiced by Zephyr Caesar. Cam and DJ are voiced by Kenny Hahn. Stage directions are read by Brandon Bogenschutz. Thanks for listening to You Don't Deserve to Die by Anya Kopischke. I'm Britana Turkan. Thank you for listening to Invited Dress.